My mom was just like, when I came to Canada in the 60s, I never thought I would see the day where I would see a Black person on the cover. That's not that long ago. No, no. Of a magazine, yet alone 20 magazines. Yeah, yeah. So if I can somehow contribute to making a leap like that in my lifetime for people, again, who look like me, and not just from a race ethnicity standpoint, like who look at, who have, I didn't finish university for people who didn't, don't have formal education. Like mm-hmm. if I could do some groundwork. So like one day when I'm like, you know, 80, I can be like, oh shit, I never thought that X could be X. Fill in the blank with whatever you want to fill it in with. Welcome to the Ways We Work podcast, the podcast about all of the things people are putting work into. An evolution on the Ways We Work website, it's a podcast about how we work in every sense of the word. I'm Amanda Wood, and in each episode, I talk with someone I admire about their career, where they're growing or stretching, or maybe how they're working to embrace a new habit or perspective. I talk to people about how they keep balance in their lives, how they stay curious, and all the ways that putting in work can be challenging and uncomfortable, but also really rewarding. This week, my guest is my friend, colleague, and manager, Siobhan, or as she's better known as, Shav. Shav is the lead of the diversity and belonging team at Shopify, and in her spare time, she sits on multiple boards and is involved in several nonprofit organizations. I am constantly in awe of how she does it all. We talked about how she managed to find herself in HR and now working in the diversity and belonging space and why this work has so much meaning to her, how she protects her energy in what can be an emotionally draining subject matter, and how she navigates the ambiguity of the work. I was incredibly humbled by this conversation. Shav brings new meaning to the word hustle and is constantly putting her community, her team, and her family before herself. It was a real privilege to have this conversation with her and to touch on some of the things we often don't get to discuss when we're heads down in the work we do day to day. Shav has a ton of knowledge and expertise in this space, and I'm really excited to get to share some of her story. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Shaf. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me in lovely Waterloo. I'm pumped. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to start things off with a question I start every podcast with, which is what are you currently putting work into? Ooh, okay. I'll try and give the TLDR. Too long, didn't <laughs> read version of it. So obviously my role at Shopify is diversity and belonging lead. That takes up a good chunk of my time. But in addition to that, I'm the board chair of an organization called Manifesto. And Manifesto is a youth arts organization that serves the local community in Toronto. Uh, It's really giving stage and amplifying the voices of youth in the arts in the city and also trying to give them the skills that they need to create a business out of their art. Mm -hmm. I am also a member of another board called Invest Ottawa, and I run the Female Founders Committee, which is aimed at ensuring that people see Ottawa as a hub for entrepreneurship. So to encourage people to come to Ottawa to start businesses and to help improve the economy Mm -hmm. with a special focus on making sure like within that group of entrepreneurs are paying attention to underrepresented people. So women, people of color, persons with disabilities, people of different sexual orientations. And then I work with another organization called Chick Tech, and I help with their diversity and belonging committee specifically. So they're in their like early phases of wanting to build some diversity and belonging best practices into mm-hmm. how they run their organization. What else do I put work into? Just a a couple of things. Uh, I'm helping bring a couple of my dad's offline businesses online. So he owns a cleaning company and he is a mortgage broker as well. So trying to get him to like keep up with the modernization of entrepreneurship, streamlining his services so they're less laborious and hands-on and administrative. And yeah, somewhere in there, I'd like to start my own business. (laughs) One day, you know, I run my cousin and I, her name's Ariane Young. We have an online Facebook community called It's a Sisterhood. And really it's a space for women who are Black, Black women to come and just have a sense of community and support. So, you know, talking about pertinent issues that we face as Black women in the world mm-hmm. Also, hey, I need to get my hair done. Are there any hairdressers in this community that I could give my coins to? Does anybody know anybody in their networks that I can give my coins to? So yeah, it's a lot of different things that I have my fingers in. 
but at the crux of it all, it's this idea of community building. Yeah. That's wild. I feel like, so for context, Shav is my lead at work. <laughs> Cash. I thought I knew everything that you were doing outside of work. Clearly not. <laughs> yeah. Just trying to live. <laughs> trying to live. Um, how did you get involved with those different like boards and sure. like, I guess you would call them organizations like an organizations outside of work some of them have come through the work that I'm doing at Shopify mm-hmm. so for uh, invest Ottawa we actually sponsor accelerate Ottawa which is their yearly annual conference and I saw an opportunity to partner with them to improve the way like they ran the conference or mm-hmm. to just help support in terms of like, how can we identify some of our merchants to participate in the conference? How can we help you build out programming for entrepreneurs locally in Ottawa? And I just was really curious and started asking questions and figuring out how I can help. And that's when that opportunity came up. Manifesto is an organization that I've grown up in. So I've known Manifesto for over 12 years mm-hmm. Uh, before Shopify worked at Rebel Canada, and we were one of the first corporate sponsors of Manifesto Festival. So I've always been in that space and exposed to Manifesto as it's grown up over the years. And there was an opportunity, again, based on somebody I knew who was already on the board to be able to come in and help again amplify the voice, increase mm-hmm. some efficiencies within the organization. I think a lot of it it comes by like the energy I put out into the world and what I care about. Mm-hmm. And I talk about that a lot publicly or with people I meet and people know people who are looking for help or want some advice about diversity and belonging or community building or building culture. Mm-hmm. So it's all just been through my networks and it's all been through me just putting out what I want to put my energy into, into the universe. And it's just kind of come that way organically. Yeah. Wow. Well, so I imagine you're, you keep pretty busy, but because you mentioned the community being a theme, mm-hmm. is there anything else through all of these different sort of organizations you're a part of, or maybe it's outside of these like things that you are working on, like skills you're working on growing, like habits you're working on building, like things you're trying to learn? Oh, yeah. So I would say the one thing that I'm trying to learn so that I can give more of myself to these organizations is the idea of saying yes slowly. Mm. So instead of overcommitting myself to doing all the things, it's this idea of just like reflecting on what's my capacity at this time, taking a look holistically at how I want to spend my time as a human being, and then being like, okay, I can give this much of myself to A, B, and C organization. I'm an efficiencies person, so I can go into an organization and immediately kind of suss out what needs to be built up so it can operate more efficiently. Instead of taking that all on myself, I need to get better at asking for help Mm -hmm. and delegating work. So saying yes slowly is a huge one for me. Another one in terms of just like me working on myself is understanding the signs when I'm getting run down. Mm-hmm. So like, what does that look like for myself? I have an amazing partner and he's really good through observing me over the years and kind of understanding what some of those telltale signs are, right? So like, like one before of, you know, even. before I know. <laughs> yeah. So he'll be like, you fell asleep on the couch every night this week. <laughs> and when I tried to get you to come to bed, you were like, I'm too tired. <laughs> and it sounds like, yeah, that's people's every day. But like, that's a telltale sign yeah. that like, I'm just too tired and I'm stretching myself too thin. So I'm starting to figure out like, what are those little signs and indicators so I could pull myself out Mm -hmm. before I get burnt out. I'm just trying to like, yeah, get to know myself as a human, which sounds really weird. I'm 36. I just turned 36 a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I think my assumption was I knew myself already Mm -hmm. working with a coach. Shout out to Patty Murphy. She's been taking me on this journey to be like, maybe you don't know yourself as much as you think you do. And here are some things you can do to get to know yourself better. Mm -hmm. So I've just been going on that journey. The work will always be there. The organizations will always be there. There's always more work to do in the world, but I need to create some space and purposefully pause so that I can understand like, what do I need? When do I need to slow down? When can I afford to speed up? And how to balance my life between all the things I care about. Yeah. How are you making that space to do some of that like self-development work amongst all of the things that you have going on? 
Yeah. I mean, like, I wish I had like a more romantic answer, but <laughs> the answer is not very romantic. I identify the times of the day where I'm usually doing something and create space within those activities. So one thing is walking the dog. Mm-hmm. So Mason, my main man, Mason, I walk him an hour and a half to two hours a day. Yeah. And I used to spend that time like in Slack, on my phone, just doing all these things to check off my to-do list. Mm-hmm. What I've really done is I've like kept that space sacred and I just do whatever I need. So if it's just walking, then I'll just walk and I just won't put my headphones in or listen to a I'll just like have silent time for me to look around, pay attention, smile at people who are passing, you know, just be connected in that moment. Mm-hmm. Other times it's just like, I really want to listen to a podcast. Yeah. So I'll use that time to listen to a podcast or I'll use that time to figure out, you know, what does my night look like? What can I do with like the three hours of time I have now? Mm-hmm. So I think it's not putting pressure on those moments where I have space to do anything in particular, but it's using that space to figure out what in particular I need at that time. Yeah. It's really walking Mason. It's when I take a shower, mm-hmm. like I close that door and lock it. Like sometimes my family's like knocking on the door. <laughs> like, why'd you close the door? You never close the door. And I'm like, this is an indication yeah. that chef needs alone time. And I need some mental space. This is my space. I mean, <laughs> this is my space. So it's really, again, in those moments where I, I'm doing something, there's some sort of action involved, but yeah. there's still nothing that needs to take up my mental capacity. So I can keep those moments walking the dog and showering. Yeah. That's a really like important distinction to make. I had the same issue where if I had free time it was like this has to be advancing my career or like my knowledge in some way so I'm like I have to be listening to a podcast and it can't be a fun Mm. podcast it's got to be about work or like some industry or whatever that I'm interested in learning more about or it's got to be like responding to emails and now especially since the weather's been nicer I'll walk Winston who's my dog and I'll be like Oh my God, my neighborhood is beautiful. Right? And like, <laughs> the birds are chirping. <laughs> like Observing. You just don't see these things when you're like, yeah, heads down. It's so. being constant. It's being present in the moment. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting. Just this like pressure to feel like you'll have to be advancing yourself mm-hmm. somehow in every moment. Yeah. I have to be meditating at this time or I have to be doing yoga or I have to be like, no, sometimes it's just like, it's just nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So I want to talk a little bit about your diversity and belonging work. Mm -hmm. I would say relatively a new role for especially tech organizations. For anyone who doesn't know, what does that work look like? Like, what are you doing on a day to day? So, yeah, it's like relatively new in terms of it being its own subject matter expertise. Mm -hmm. I think there's been companies for a long time who have like had diversity and belonging as a part of another role, not as a standalone function. The day-to-day, honestly, it's hard to predict. Yeah. You know, what we're trying to create at Shopify is an environment where people feel like they can be included, valued, and heard no matter what walk of life they're from, no matter what their lived experiences are, no matter how they identify. Mm -hmm. How that comes to life in the day-to-day is paying attention to the humans that are around me. So it's a lot of conversations, just understanding like, what do people need to feel psychological safety? Mm -hmm. What do people need to be able to thrive? What do people need in order to feel highly engaged so that they can come and do their best work Mm -hmm. or to do their life's work, essentially. So a lot of that is human conversation. Uh, We have an employee experience research team on our team who formalizes some of those insights through qualitative data. So it's taking all of that information, figuring out what themes are coming out of that and creating programming to Mm -hmm. support the good habits and creating programming to mitigate the not so great habits that happen in every organization. So that's like the belonging side of things, but Mm -hmm. then there's the whole diversity side of things, which is what a lot of people tend to cling to because it's a measurable thing, Mm -hmm. right? You know, you have X percent amount of women in your organization, you try X thing, and now you have X amount of women in your organization. And people just kind of like, we're improving and our work is done. It is an important part of the puzzle. So just like being informed of like, what do we look like as an organization? Where are there gaps in terms of representation? 
across all of our job levels, across all of our teams, across all of our disciplines, and being able to provide the organization with that information so they can actually create action plans of like, what are we going to do? Two to three tangible things we're going to do quarter over quarter to improve. On the other side, paying attention to belonging because belonging unlocks the power of diverse teams. So focusing on belonging, understanding how are people in your organization doing? What are two to three things you can do to ensure that we are able to empower and retain them? Mm-hmm. So it sounds simple, but there's nuances. Yeah. Again, from location to location, from country to country, from team to team, from discipline to discipline. So it's spending your time creating that context for each individual yeah. line, team, location, yeah. region. The day-to-day looks like a lot of different things. Mm -hmm. Again, it's like showing people those numbers. It's tons of conversations. It's creating programming, creating learning to build people's acumen around the topics. Mm -hmm. It's creating resources. It's empowering my amazing team, of which you are one, (laughs) to be able to do their most impactful work as well. So, yeah. I imagine like a lot of education too, of like, why are we putting so much focus on this work? Why is it so important? Like, how do you get people bought into doing the work as well? Yeah, I mean, it's this kind of existential crisis that is within this industry of the business case, mm-hmm. just like straight facts. Like, yeah. here's facts, here's research. It's hard to argue that stuff. You're yeah. going to have a more innovative business. You're going to have a more successful, sustainable, thriving business, and you'll get better business results. Mm-hmm. That's facts. But it's also because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Creating an equitable environment for all people is what every business should be doing. Yeah. So it's being able to balance the reasoning with people Mm -hmm. so that they understand, yes, a business case, but yes, this is what we do as humans in the world. Yeah. Certain approaches resonate with certain types of people, but I think if you can, again, pair the two together, it's really impactful in getting people bought in. Mm -hmm. And there's so many cases of if you don't do it right and if you don't do it well, this is what can happen in the world. You can Google it and you can see it in a lot of different places. (laughs) So I'm just like, you know... The risk of not doing this At work Google is included. exactly right. It's like yeah. the risk of not doing the work is right in front of you. Totally. Yeah. So how did you get started in this work? Um, what were you doing before? What kind of yeah. led to you ending up in this role? Before I was doing diversity and belonging exclusively, I was focused on corporate culture at Shopify. And I think I was working really closely with the person who was running diversity and belonging at the time. And we decided, hey, we're working in silos, but essentially a tenant of our culture should be that it is diverse and it fosters belonging. Mm -hmm. So we should work closer together. You know, we can help amplify your messages, vice versa. We can ensure that as we're building our culture and the foundational pieces, that lens is on everything that we're building out. And literally, as soon as we were about to start the partnership in 2018, that person moved on to another team. And the opportunity to take over her role kind of came up Mm -hmm. just because of like, again, the nature of the conversations we'd had been having months before. She's like, I think you could like do this work. And I was like, yeah, same here. (laughs) Um, So I moved into the role and then I was like, oh, there's a lot of work to do. (laughs) This is not like just, you know, simple or it's like, it's complex. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you add humans times the amount of employees and it becomes even more complex because how can you solve this belonging thing for everybody? Mm -hmm. So I kind of fell into that role, but I think like always an underpinning of the community building that I had always been doing was geared towards people who felt like they were not included, valued, or heard. Mm -hmm. I think when I look back at my history it was always there. It was always something I was passionate about. I'm a black woman who has lots of other dimensions of diversity that you could not possibly assume by looking at me. Mm -hmm. And I was surrounded by lots of people who had similar experiences to me. So I think for me, this is my life's work is to create those feelings for people from underrepresented or marginalized communities. I just happen to be able to do this every day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So following that thread, I guess like my question is how do you manage your energy and your emotions when, you know, the work that you are doing every day is so closely tied to like your life's work and what's important to you? 
Yeah, it's tough. I think I was having a conversation with somebody. They were like, you must have to figure out how to detach yourself emotionally Mm. from the work that you're doing. You must have to cut that off. It's just like you leave the building and you figure out how to detach yourself. Mm -hmm. I think for better or for worse, as a human, I don't have that capacity. Mm -hmm. It's something that I've like learned and understand about myself. And it's something that I really thought about before taking on this role. I just don't have the capacity to do that. Mm -hmm. Shav at work and Shav at home and Shav with her friends and with her family, Shav with all the other organizations she works with, I am who I am Mm -hmm. and I take it on. Yeah. And there's things I think that I need to learn to do to be able to just to navigate. Are these my emotions? Are these emotions that I've taken home with me based on some of the conversations that I've had? Mm -hmm. Because there's times I come home and I'm like, I feel anxious, but I'm like, I didn't have like, you know, my day was pretty, like I had meetings today. I had lunch. I did some project briefs. There was nothing that really should cause me to be feeling these things. Mm -hmm. And then I start to think back about some of the conversations I had and I've taken that stuff home with me. Yeah. So I need to figure out how I can just navigate not like emotions and leave the ones that aren't mine at the door, but I can't really separate. I am on the Enneagram scale. I'm a helper, a number two, and I'm a peacemaker, a number nine. Mm. I am who I am. I'm an empath. I don't know, like for me to do that would be so far from who I am that I would be doing myself a disservice and the people on the receiving end of what I do a disservice as well. Yeah. So. I would bet there's more people like that um, than there are fewer because I think, especially if you're doing work that is meaningful to you, that you are really passionate about, some of that passion comes from like a personal investment and like an emotional investment in it. Um, That was a lot of like why Ways We Work started when it was even just a written blog was Mm -hmm. like this quote or this idea that like, if you do work, you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. And I was really like, mm, I need to call bullshit on that. Yeah. 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 Like, I do I call bullshit sometimes on that. I'm just like more work when you care. Like, yeah. I'm just like, this is work. Like this is, I love what I do, but it is work. You yeah. know, it's like emotional, cognitive yeah. labor in addition to the work that you're doing. Yeah. But I think that I was trying to force myself down this path of separation Mm -hmm. and the pressure of trying to separate was so much because Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I had been trying, I've seen therapists. I have a coach now. I read all the books. I listened to all the podcasts and I was just like, I'm trying, it's not happening. And I think again, it's not an excuse. I just, Mm -hmm. I cannot do that fundamentally. And I don't think it's wrong. I think if you can do that, it's amazing. (laughs) Like, you know, like it's just so not who I am Yeah, that I don't put the pressure on myself anymore. Yeah. And maybe it's more of like an awareness or managing it versus like trying to create some kind of clean separation. Cause like you said, I don't know if that's necessarily possible in a lot of roles, especially Mm -hmm. like this. So yeah, the awareness, the awareness, again, what I'm working on for myself is awareness Mm -hmm. of how I'm showing up and why. Yeah. I didn't have this question on the list, no, but <laughs> wildcard round. I would love to know. So, I mean, obviously our team works a lot with like bias and being aware of unconscious biases mm-hmm. in this idea of like being your authentic self in this work that you're doing mm-hmm. and having such a personal investment. How do you stay aware of like your own bias? Oh yeah. When you're in the room and you're doing this kind of work. Oh yeah. It's hard. There's definitely some times where I, again, this concept of purposeful pause Mm -hmm. before reaction is something Mm -hmm. I take really seriously because I think the one thing that I've learned over time as I mature in the HR space is the idea of like, you have to balance out what you know to be true, the emotional side with the logical side. Mm -hmm. Like I never want to be completely like, like logical black and white and I cannot be completely gray and I have to be aware of, okay, like this is my personal biases coming through versus like being balanced and having an opinion based on my own triggers. Right. For lack of a better word. Yeah. Yeah. It's just practice and it's gone wrong before. I'm definitely not perfect in my world. It's like, you have to be very mindful. Like the advocacy side of me comes in Mm -hmm. a lot of times and I have to just like check in with that. And again, there's space for that Mm -hmm. sometimes. And then sometimes I have to check it. Yeah. 
So I think, again, this idea of unconscious bias, and I actually learned something really interesting because we're going to start coining it as Mm anti-bias at work because unconscious bias is indicative of the fact that people who have biases, everybody, it's unconscious. Some people have conscious biases and they like know that the bias exists and they're not going to do a damn thing about it. (laughs) You know, so I think it's really important to address both and not assume that every bias is unconscious. Mm. Um, So yeah, this idea of like anti-bias is just both things can show up in the workplace. Both things can show up in our life. And like, how do you manage that? Yeah. But yeah, there's been, again, it's trial and error. Yeah, I've showed up too much on one side before Mm -hmm. and I've seen what happens when you do that. It does not serve anybody. Mm -hmm. And then I've seen like purposely pause before you react. Collect your facts. I'm a big thing on like facts over feelings. Collect your facts (laughs) and have your facts that can support the feeling. And that's usually a foolproof way. Yeah, I love that. Has there been, I'm sure there's situations that people listening have run into where they're like, okay, maybe I showed up a little too emotional in that room. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I said something that was coming more from like my bias than like Mm fact-based. How have you dealt with those situations? You know, do you kind of go back and like say that to the person or, you know, I'm just looking for like how someone can kind of manage that because it does happen. Yeah, it does happen. I think it's this idea of not getting defensive if somebody calls you out on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Feedback is difficult. Feedback is hard. It's hard Mm -hmm. to give. It's hard to take. It's even more difficult to take. So those times where the feedback is coming to me based on like, I said this thing and it impacted that person in this way. Mm -hmm. I have to honor the way it impacted that person, regardless of my intent. I think that that's important. And I think that people miss that. I think people don't know how to navigate that. I think it's difficult. It takes a level of like humility and leaving your ego at the door. Because again, no matter your intent, what you said impacted somebody the way it did. Yeah. And that's valid and valuable. And then I also think it's this idea of being able in those moments to navigate that conversation and dig deeper with that person, because then you grow empathy mm-hmm. and understanding. Mm-hmm. And that's so key in this work. If you want to be an ally, it's this idea of like understanding the humans around you and why they show up, how they show up and why they might react a certain way when something is said or when something is done to them. That's so important and crucial. And in this world, this idea of having human conversations is becoming further and further and further and further removed. Yeah. And the work, the diversity and belonging work cannot thrive void of human conversation and mm-hmm. empathy. So I think for me in those scenarios, it's like putting my ego at the side, dropping all the things I intended to say and not even saying assume positive intent. Like I think that that is also condescending, mm-hmm. which is like, I said this thing, but assume positive intent. No, yeah. it's just like, I know my positive intent was there. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to say it to that person. Yeah. I need to just listen to this person and understand Yeah, completely ego to the side, not being defensive. Yeah. Like, even within positive intent, why did what I say, like, have this impact? Like, what was it? Could I word it differently? Body language? Like, what? there's so much that can go into, like, a single interaction. 100%. It is, like, so complex. So, yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. So, I guess going back to, like, this work being your life's work and you, like, having such a passion for it. But it also, like you mentioned, being pretty, like, emotionally exhausting at times. Like, what keeps you going and what keeps you Mm -hmm. wanting to do this work? Yeah, I think I want to leave the world better than I found it, Mm -hmm. right? My one little life, my couple of little actions, my life's work in the grand scheme of the universe. I don't know if that will impact it, Yeah, but that's what I can control because I can control so many of the other things that are happening around me. So it's this idea of wanting to leave the world better for the generations that come before me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really my motivating factor. I have a 14-year-old sister and I'm like very cognizant of the world she's going to grow up in and the challenges she's going to face. So I want to leave it better for her. You know, I don't have any children right now, but if I do, I want to leave the world better for them. I want to leave the world better for the humans that come after us to carry the work on. 
And that's like one of the things that really motivates me. Also, I forget where I was. It was like in San Francisco at some culture conference, but there was a quote and I'm going to butcher it for sure. But (laughs) what it alluded to was this idea of you're your grandparents or like you're your grandmother's wildest dream come true, Mm -hmm. right? Which is like, there were things that the people and the women and the matriarchs who came before me couldn't fathom. Mm. You know, like they would never think that like their great granddaughter or their granddaughter, even for lack of better words, could like be a lead at like a leading tech company and help build the future of diversity and belonging and how we define it and how we speak about it and how we hold ourselves accountable to it. Mm. They would never think that I can like live downtown Toronto and buy a car and like just do all these things that are just so mindless, like that I take for granted. Like I acknowledge my privilege. Mm -hmm. It was so interesting. I was at Shoppers Drug Mart with my mom maybe three months ago and she went to the magazine section and she was just like, she was counting. Yeah. And I was just like, what is she doing? Like (laughs) I love my mom, but sometimes she does some weird old things. So I was just like, what is she doing? And she was just like, she turned around, she's like 17. And I was just like, 17 of what? And she was just like, there's 17 black people on the cover of magazines. Wow. And I was just like, oh shit. (laughs) Like, I don't even think of that. It's just so normal to me. And there's still like, there's still struggles, but like, I don't think of those things. And my mom was just like, when I came to Canada in the sixties, I never thought I would see the day where I would see a black person on the cover. That's not that long ago. No, no of a magazine, yet alone 20 magazines. Yeah, yeah. So if I can somehow contribute to making a leap like that in my lifetime for people, again, who look like me and not just from a race ethnicity standpoint, like who look at, who have, I didn't finish university for people who didn't, don't have formal education. Like mm-hmm. if I could do some groundwork. So like one day when I'm like, you know, 80, I can be like, oh shit, I never thought. Yeah that X could be X, fill in the blank with whatever you want to fill it in with. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. That you could have that moment, that same moment that your mom had, but with something different. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, so like, that's what keeps me going. It's this idea that literally I could leave the world better off than Mm -hmm. it was. I can give opportunities to people who never thought they would have an opportunity. Like people who I talk to within the HR space, within the community, They're just like, it's so cool to see like a black woman in a leadership role in a Mm -hmm. major tech organization. And I don't realize how little that happens. It is not an everyday occurrence still. I am looking around at my peers and my counterparts and I'm not seeing myself here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's kind of the thing. It sounds like super meta and like corny and cheesy, but it's true. But if that's what you can like tie back to when you've had like, a really shit day or like dealt with a really like uncomfortable situation. Like that's something that can just keep you. Keeps you going. There's shit days. There are shit, shit days where you're just like, I, and it's not within like the work world. It's just like in life. Yeah. yeah. When I'm looking at the world, I'm like, there is so much systemic bullshit oppressing people. Mm -hmm. You know, look at what's happening in Sudan right now. Like, the world is fucked up, you know? (laughs) And sometimes when you look at that and, you know, again, like I get so deep in like my work and feeling accomplished in my work. And then I pause and I look at the world Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my God. Like, again, it's just this idea of like, sometimes the work becomes big and there's just so much progress to make in the world that when you pull out and you look at 10,000 feet, it could become really overwhelming. Yeah. But then you just have to like remind, again, there's like a little part of the world. There's a little part of an ecosystem. There's a little part of a community that I can impact Mm -hmm. and just, you know, stay focused on that. Mm -hmm. And I do think of like, how does it scale past that little community or that little ecosystem to something bigger? Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes that can feel selfish too, because that involves a level of like me being more out there speaking about things. And for me personally, the idea of like building my personal brand is uncomfortable because it means it's going to take me away from like doing work. Oh, interesting. So sometimes I'm just like, okay, like, you know, maybe I can put myself out there more and 
speak at public engagements yeah. or do conferences or try and become a thought leader, or yeah, like yeah. produce written content. But I'm just like to do that short-sighted, my short-sighted issue with that is to do that is taking me away from doing work mm. when in hindsight, likely it's giving me the ability to scale the oh. impact I can have. I was going to say, I see, like, I was going to say, I see those two as like so connected, but I guess like what you're talking about is the short term versus long-term, like being out there more, being a thought leader, that's going to be like more long-term impact, mm-hmm. but it takes you away from like the short term. Yeah. yeah. It's just like this constant, like internal narrative that I have of just like, uh, or, you know, in those rare moments where I was just like, I just want to sit down on the couch and watch my coronation street and have tea. <laughs> and like, you know, I don't want to like be thinking about changing any world yeah. except for like literally what's right in front of me. Or will that take away time for my family, my partner to do this work? Mm-hmm. How much am I willing to sacrifice? Is it selfish? It's just like this, like it's like constant mental gymnastics yeah. that happen. Um, yeah. That's hard to quiet down yeah but like you said like I mean watching like Coronation Street right like is that Mm -hmm. gonna give you like some kind of like energy or like recharge that you can then go and like do this work even more or better or longer exactly (laughs) right right long term it's this idea of like all the decisions that we as humans make every day yeah it's just it's not as simple as ever doing a thing yeah it's lots of things that you consider yeah, that quote, like that you said, got like it hit me right in the heart. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll i probably be thinking about that for a while. Because yeah, I go through cycles myself where I'm like fired up and I'm like, well, we've got to change things. Like things need to be different. What can I do? Like what what do I do? Mm-hmm. And usually it ends up in just like tweet streams. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> get the fingers busy and get it out there. Yeah. Which like how helpful that is. I don't know. It sounds like super nihilistic or like whatever that word is yeah or like that's a big word yes or like but I'm like yeah the stuff with like our climate and I don't know things being serious in like 10 to 20 years and like maybe maybe like that needs to happen you know like maybe we need like some kind of like wake up call or reset or not that I'm like down for that or yeah, you want not, that I'm we're not, not calling for, for end of days you're just but, saying sometimes we need to learn but it's you know yeah. what's intriguing is that there's so many things that are happening if we're even talking about climate change mm-hmm. that are indicators of what's to come mm-hmm. and people still choose to actively not believe them yeah right so it's it's like what needs to happen for people to wake up yeah and those people who are not woke maybe they'll never be woke Mm. but again like what are the little things that we can do to make a change or a difference it seems so big yeah and like being aware of your personal privilege I think is super important and why that quote like resonated with me so much was yeah like this was even a couple weeks ago I was having a conversation and you just don't think about the stuff on a day to day, but I was like, it wasn't that long ago that like women couldn't vote. Yeah. You know? And I had that moment literally in the last, like, I think this is just a provincial um, election. It's like, uh, like, I'm feeling kind of tired. Like, I don't want to go out. Yeah. I'm like, this is really going to make that big of a difference. Like Doug Ford's going to get in for sure. Yeah. And I was like, no, I need to like, get I up not have this luxury. Like, you know, like, so I don't know. I think it is super important and like not taking, that stuff for granted, but it's hard to remember on a day to day. It's hard to remember on a day to day. So it's just, again, it's just like that awareness of, of what we have access to what's happening in the world, mm-hmm. how far progress has come yet, how far we have to go. Um, all of that is just, yeah, it's really good to ponder yeah. and have in your consciousness. I was listening to a podcast on philosophy last week and it ended with the question. The question was, what are some things that we just, what are things that we accept as truth mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. that 10, 20, 50, 100 years from now will be like completely dispelled? Dispelled. And I was just, I've been thinking about that mm. ever since. 
But anyway, that's just reminding me of that. So many yeah. things. Like, yeah. again, I think of the advances in technology and science. And my brain does have a hard time fathoming, like, mm-hmm. what more can we possibly do? And how can we ensure that as these advances in like science, technology, there's many other fields and industries to include there. We can make sure that the ethics side of it Mm. isn't compromised. Um, I think that that's going to be massive. Like whatever happens moving forward the next 10, 20, 50 years, how can we stay on the ethical side of advancements in all those fields? Yeah, for sure. It's super important. Mm -hmm. Um. Okay. So going back to you, what are, what are some of the ways that you take time for you other than coronation street, like take care of yourself, keep yourself balanced, healthy, um, basketball, Mm. watching basketball, (laughs) playing basketball, which I don't have a lot of time to do anymore. Ball is life in our family. Like my sister and I were both raised on a basketball court. My dad is lives breathes, sleeps, eats, dreams, basketball. Mm -hmm. And I could not be happier for having basketball, um, having been a part of my life. I think the other thing for me is music. Like compared to what's like hot right now, the fact that I'm saving, even saying hot right now, it ages me, (laughs) but I'm like listening to like old school, like SWB on Vogue. I just listened to like triumph by Wu Tang the other day. It came out and I was like spitting mad fire. (laughs) People were just like, what is this? A vintage classic tune. Um, but music is a massive escape. I, I grew up playing ball pretty much every day of my life from grade nine to OAC. Again, dating myself. Yes. Grade 13. But another constant part of my life is my stepdad is a musician and I danced competitively for like a really long time up until, yes, I was a dancer (laughs) until, um, ball became life officially. (laughs) Um, but music has been a constant for me. Like my parents are like really into music. Again, my stepdad into music growing up dancing. So music is just like one of those things I can always leverage Mm -hmm. to bring me to a certain emotion or bring me back to a certain memory or thought or Mm -hmm. feeling. Um, so I, I, I leverage music a lot. Um, and just like being around the people, like honestly what I do for myself is being around the people where I can just be myself. Mm -hmm. Right. Like the Macintosh household, I have a big family. I have 20 aunts and uncles, more cousins than I can count. And anytime I'm in that space, I just am like authentically who I am without, you know, having to compromise without having to be apologetic. Mm -hmm. So I think I really look to surround myself with people where I can be that version of myself. Um, So yeah, I think between like basketball sports, music mm-hmm. and just being with people who ground me. Uh, those are like the three things that are consistent and constant. Yeah. Uh, in terms of any personal practice I have. Mm. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then we talked about this a little bit, but like, how do you relate to your career currently? Mm-hmm. And then how has that, has it changed over time or how has it changed over time? For sure. I think when I was younger, just starting my career, I really, my career, it's been a journey, right? Mm-hmm. So when I first started in my career, I very much reviewed it or viewed it as this like transactional thing, mm-hmm. you know, like I go to work, I leave work, I get my money, I do my things outside of work. And this is great. At a certain point when I started getting a better idea of what I wanted to do with my life or when I got closer to doing my life's work, mm-hmm. every step I took closer, there was more of a closer interaction or interplay between who I am and what I do. And the line became like very blurred. Mm -hmm. The one thing I will say um, is that success in my career has always been independent uh, in terms of how I viewed myself. Mm. So early in my career, I worked really hard. My pay 
was pretty stagnant. I wasn't really like making much money year over year. Now, knowing what the hell I know now, (laughs) I can say that, you know, again, as a black woman who didn't have a degree, yeah, probably played into that a little bit. Um, but, um, I forget what I was saying now. Um, but yeah, over time, like my relationship has always changed. But the one thing I would always say is that no matter what, what coins I was taking home, what my title was, mm-hmm. that never really infiltrated my consciousness about like how I viewed myself as a human. Right. Because I knew that there was the, the work that I was doing was impacting community mm-hmm. in a really meaningful way. So I didn't align the two things or didn't correlate the two things, money making, title always separate. Mm. I still think like I very much am that way now. Yeah. I make some more coins. Um, and I have a, a nice title on paper, Yeah, but it's like, my work is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than my company. It's bigger than the organization. Yeah. It's like a world thing. So I think like very much at this point, there's even more connection between my job and myself as a human being. Mm-hmm. The role that work plays in my life right now is this place uh, where I can learn and try things and experiment mm-hmm. um, and impact humans. It's this place. And it's not like I'm just trying things willy nilly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like trying any old thing or any old programming yeah. and throwing stuff at the wall and sticking to it. Yeah, yeah. But working, and it has nothing to do with the Kool-Aid. Working at Shopify has been the first time in my life where I believe that I can change the world. Mm. Any company I've worked at before, I was always confined to a box. Yeah. And I can be as ambitious as the ceiling of that box. Mm. At Shopify, you get pulled into the next box. Yeah. And that ceiling increases mm-hmm. and you get pulled into that next box and the ceiling moves up again. Yeah. There's no ceiling. Um, and having the trust of like the people around me to do what I can do best. Mm-hmm. They see that potential. They saw that potential like from day one. Like I remember interviewing with Conville who hired uh, me, who is like a badass woman doing badass things in the world it was the first time I'd ever had a lead who was just like, the world's your oyster, honey. <laughs> you want to do that thing? Go for it. Yeah. I trust you. Mm. I saw your potential. I hired you for your potential. I will help empower you and I will help give you knowledge and re- access to resources that you need. You could do anything. Yeah. So. That's shop- very much like in the culture of the company, but it is on leads to oh, make sure leads. that it actually continues being a real thing it manifests in different ways yeah. depending on who your lead is but I've always had that I've always been lucky enough to have that experience in my career mm. I've always so without having that like mentorship and sponsorship in my career I don't think I'd ever have come to the place where I'm like oh work and self are one mm-hmm. I think I would have continued to separate and like viewed work as transactional right I do the thing, I get my pay, Yeah, I go home and I live my life. Now, just like it's so powerful, the environment as a lead that you can create for your people. Like mm-hmm. you have no clue how much you can impact people. Yeah. Uh, if you're doing it right, like, yeah, I can have endless yeah. impact. So yeah, my work and myself, it's all one. Yeah. But it's great that you've been able to, like you said, you've never taken it on as like who you are as a person not like if something goes wrong at work it's not like something's gone wrong with you you know like you're able to whereas I've been very much the opposite where like Mm. beginning of my career my work was me and Mm. I've been on this journey of like slowly Mm. (laughs) like detach not fully you know like I think I agree with you on the point of you have to like take some of it on you have to have some kind of emotional investment in it to like feel that like what you want to feel I feel that motivation feel that passion but at the same time like being able to have that nuanced separation of like if I get feedback about my work it's not feedback about like who I am as a human you know and being able to keep that 
Yeah. Your self-worth is not dictated by your vocation. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, and it's easy to bring the two together. Mm -hmm. And I think that we talked about this earlier when I'm going to the basement of my like helper peacemaker Enneagram types. And when I'm going into burnout mode, Mm -hmm. I do tie the two very closely together. My self-worth and my work. Yeah. It's very hard to separate the two. And that's how I know I'm going there. Mm. Whereas when I'm healthier, when I'm at like the ceiling of my two and nine or who I am as a human, Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to be like, my self-worth is not dictated by my vocation, right? It might impact it, but it's not dictated by it. Yeah. So that's just like another interesting cue for myself. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I can change day to day is good, right? Like you're not, you know, it's it's a good point. Like it's not, you know, to have like this. Yeah, static idea of how you relate to yeah, your work. It changes. Your mood. <laughs> it changes, changes all the time. It depends on my interactions with the people yeah. around me. Yeah. It depends on the amount of times I've repeated my... Like, it, it's, like, so nuanced. Yeah. But, but, yeah, I think that, again, it's it's an interesting thing to say where I just, like, I am my work, but at the same time, my self-worth is not dictated by my, voc- my vocation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, me- it's meta in a sense. Mm-hmm. But it's so true. Yeah. Then that's how I know I'm doing the right thing. Mm. How do you, so I imagine the work, I mean, I know the work that we yes. do is fairly ambiguous, yeah. uh, obviously, but I'm curious, like, how you navigate that? How do you navigate ambiguity? How do you, I mean, particularly because diversity and belonging work is such a long-term game, how do you navigate, like, what do we need to do today? to like see changes in the future a year from now, 10 years from now, whatever that is like, yeah. how do you, I guess, like unpack that in your head? Yeah. I think that in my first like eight months uh, to a year in role, I struggled with that mm-hmm. because I was just like, what are we working towards? What are the most important things I can do and focus on now? Again, it was like, um, Shopify cares about this stuff, but the work and the subject matter expertise was like pretty undefined. Mm-hmm. Like there had been like some things we definitely defined previous to me joining the role. There's lots of things that we've kind of identified as opportunities, but it was still literally like an open field. Mm-hmm. And we have to figure out where are you going to put the stakes in the ground? And then people talk about like, planting seeds like we're tilling soil we ain't even like planting seeds (laughs) yet we are preparing the soil for seeds so that the roots can take and it was difficult as hell I just I didn't know I was just like doing everything but felt like nothing and I was just like I don't feel like I am having an impact Mm. and I can't keep up with the inbound requests but I think the thing that we were able to accomplish this year that we hadn't been able to do, at least since I had joined the team, was what is the end state? What does good look like? Yeah. Like, what are you, like, what are you trying to accomplish here? Mm-hmm. From like a diversity vantage point and from a belonging vantage point, what's blue sky look like? Yeah. What are the things that we want to be able to say without, like, with complete resolve? Mm-hmm three years or five years from now. Cool. We figured that out. Now I can work back and understand what I have to do. Yeah. But in lieu of like the end state you're trying to get to and the end state can be like one year, three year, five year, whatever works for people. But for me, it was like, okay, one year from now, I want to be able to do and say this and Shopify should be here Mm -hmm. three years, five years. And now I work back. Yeah. That is the only way to ground your work. It's the only way to stay focused. Mm -hmm. It's the only way you can figure out how to prioritize and say, um, and dictate what you say yes and no to. Mm -hmm. There'll always be ad hoc things that you have to take up for sure. There's always fires that come up. Amazing. But at the end of the day, I know my goal. Yeah. And along the way, we will adjust the goals based on the things that we found out. Yeah. But that is how I figured out how to thrive in ambiguity. Hmm. It's always just like, know the what and the why, the how will come. Yeah. No, that's super important. Um, okay. I think we're going to do rapid fire round. I love it. <laughs> rapid fire round. I feel like there should be some sort of sound. Effect here. <laughs> um, so what's a major aspect of your work that you don't think most people know would be included in it? 
Oh my God. That's a tough one. Mm, that's a tough one. <laughs> Maybe this is rapid fire, but I'm thinking before I give the rapid fire yeah, answer, I think it's how, what we do needs to be woven into how we build our product. Mm. It's not just an internally facing function. Yeah. If it doesn't show up in the way we build our product, in the way we tell our merchant stories, in the way we create campaigns, in the way we um, present our in- employer um, value proposition, mm. it falls apart. Yeah. So I think it's just like it impacts our product. Mm-hmm. It has to impact our product. It has to carry through internally to externally. Yeah. Like the community you're building isn't just... Shopify as a company. It's, it's the ecosystem. The whole ecosystem. Partner yeah. ecosystem. Merchant ecosystem. Yeah. Entrepreneurship. All that stuff. Yeah. I like that. Um, what's something you're really curious about or trying to learn more about right now? I would say I'm so curious about everything. <laughs> Maybe like a work-related one and then like a okay, personal so, or fun one. So a work-related related one yeah. is how like beta testing. Like how mm-hmm. do we choose the people who beta test certain parts of our product and what does that whole process look like? What does beta testing entail? I know what it means, but like, what does it like actually look like mechanically? Yeah. So I'm really interested in that. And then I externally am, I'm really interested in our aging population. Mm. So I'm really interested to understand the economics behind the aging population, like our baby boomers, yeah, yeah. the stress it's going to put on our resources in terms of healthcare. Like I'm really fascinated by that hmm. whole thing. What will um, elderly care look like? What will the cost associated with that be? Yeah. Just like how, as like, how will companies evolve to accommodate for their employees who have to take care of aging parents? Let's shift the way, um, like benefits work, hmm. all that stuff. Yeah, interesting. I'm really interested in aging population. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> I think it's like I am getting older, yeah. and I'm just intru- I'm, I'm just curious. I'm only thirty six. Right? Like, like, like I'm retiring soon, right? <laughs> but I'm just thinking, who's going to take care of me? Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. how can like how can I set myself up for success when I age? Mm-hmm. What will that even look like? Will we be frozen and like, <laughs> yeah. we'll separate from our body? But really, it's my my aging parents. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to like see that process happen, mm-hmm. and I'm starting to um, really think about what do I need to do to take care of them. Mm-hmm. That's that's the catalyst. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, how do you personally define success now? Success. I think if I had to say a word, it's balance. Mm-hmm. Uh, an understanding of self. Mm. That to yeah. me is what success will look like. I like that. That is a quick fire uh, <laughs> answer. Got it. <laughs> Um, and then I'll, I always end on just like, is there anything that we didn't cover that you mm. want to make sure you talk about or something you mentioned or something you just want to leave people with? I think that what I would want to leave with, and again, I'm not the most succinct person, so it will come out as it comes out. Um, just n- the impact we can have on the world as individuals, as a collective is very powerful. So never sell yourself short and talk yourself out of doing that thing that you think can change the world. Mm. I think that that is what I would say. And truly, it sounds cheesy AF. You can do whatever you want to do. There are barriers and limitations and environmental challenges. I understand that. But you can do it. Again, Mm. I have... OAC education. I did an HR certificate, but that's not really much. Single mom. I figured it out. Yeah. You can figure it out. Yeah. You can literally, like, the sky is the limit. Mm-hmm. Um, and just use all those unique experiences to set you apart from everybody else. So I didn't have that piece of paper and I didn't have that work experience, but I figured out how to figure out people. Mm. And that you can't teach. Totally. 
you could either do it or you cannot. Mm-hmm. And so I just figured out how to use that to get to where I am today. Yeah. So to figure out what your unique, your, unique, your unique thing is and it will set you apart from the rest. Mm. I love that. That's a great place to end. Um, mm. But where can people reach you if they want to like reach out For or sure. follow you? So all the socials mm-hmm. are at Pink Robot T-O. So it's P-I-N-K-R-O-B-O-T-T-O. So awesome. they can hit me up there on Twitter, Instagram. I'm private, but I'll accept. And then <laughs> LinkedIn is Siobhan Haspal McIntosh. Hit me up there. Um, those are the best ways. Amazing. So yeah, do not hesitate. Reach out if you need anything, if you want to chat. Great. Well, thank you so much for doing this. This was awesome. Thanks for having me. You keep changing the world by amplifying the voices of people who are doing things. This is so important. So thank you for this podcast and for, again, being able to bring these stories to a global audience. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please take just a few minutes to rate and review on iTunes. As a new podcast, this helps a lot and it would mean so much to me. As always, you can find Ways We Work on Twitter and Instagram at Ways We Work, and you can find me at Amanda Wood. In addition to these interviews, I'd love to do episodes where we take your questions about the things you're putting work into at the moment, and myself and a guest will do the best we can to answer them. You can send those to amanda at wayswework.io. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next episode.